Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, we're sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and this is another one of my Think on Your Feet episodes. If you feel like it's been a while, I feel like it's been a while, it has been a while, and maybe I'll get into the reasons behind that later in the episode, but for now, we're here, we're in it, we're diving in, I've got lots of treats to share with you, and we're starting our playthrough of The Innsmouth Conspiracy. The Shadow Over Innsmouth Conspiracy. The Shadowy Conspiracy of Innsmouth. I'm pretty sure it's called Innsmouth Conspiracy. Maybe that in itself shows how long it's been since I've played this. Who I'm playing? We'll get to that in a second, but maybe we dive in first with a little bit of story. Your eyes flutter open with the languor of one who has slept for days on end. Your senses are in no hurry to return. You blink and struggle to see through the inky black surrounding you. Every inch of you aches with a dull, throbbing pain. Your skin is cold and numb, and your clothes are waterlogged. Your mind swims with half-articulated thoughts and tangled memories. You have no idea where you are or how you got here. You snap to attention, heart racing in your chest. You lie on a jagged stone floor in a shallow pool of dark, ice-cold water. Knowing panic will only make the situation worse. You take a series of deep, meditative breaths. You try to remember something, anything, that might allow you to retrace your steps, but your mind is blank. You remember who you are, but nothing whatsoever from the recent past. You steady yourself and examine your surroundings. The chamber appears to be a natural cave formation. Kelp dangles from the ceiling. The stone walls and floor are wet and slimy. A rhythmic drip, drip, drip echoes throughout the otherwise silent cave. This cavern has been underwater and not too long ago. A result of the tides, perhaps? You swallow your fear like a lump of cold iron. If it is low tide now, a cold shudder ripples up your spine. You examine the ceiling and are surprised to see a slab of metal set into the rough stone overhead. Its polished surface is alien to the rest of the natural cavern. You call out for help, hoping somebody can hear. Your dread deepens at the reply. An awful croaking and gurgling that permeates the tunnels. A sound no human could make. Now, take all of what you've just heard and imagine that the person who is experiencing it is none other than subject 5U21, also known as Susie, because yes, I've decided I'm going to try and Susie my way through the Innsmouth conspiracy. We've got a couple of other little surprises uh, for the listener planned for this series, but the first big one is, yeah, I'm trying it out with Susie. I have managed to miss out on all the people ordering copies of Susie, so I'm proxying Susie for this. I could be playing on Tabletop Simulator or other programs that allow you to play Arkham, but I want to play with my real cards because I like the sound it makes on the recordings. What's the point in owning all of these cards if you don't use them? But yeah, I'm playing a Susie. So historically, when I've come in to think on your feet, I've come in normally playing an investigator I feel quite confident with, trying to showcase a little bit about how I solo with that investigator. Hopefully there's like a teaching didactic component to it. Although that said, I don't think of myself as an expert. It's maybe teaching through sharing experience rather than some kind of um, knowledge or something like that. This time, 
we're learning together. <laughs> Any experience we gain is going to have to be hard won. I have done some practice plays. I don't want to be like working out how to play Susie right now from the beginning. But yeah, we're going in with a lot less experience. And maybe this fits with a theme of when we played Dark Matter as well, you were seeing me face-checking for the first time, so there was a lot less confidence there. And then this is a different experience. I'm playing a campaign I know relatively well, but I'm sort of face-checking the investigator, which is cool in itself. Big old slurp of coffee, kind of ready to begin. So let's read our actor agenda. I've already set up the scenario, our scenario reference card, and then we'll do opening hand and get going. Agenda 1A, Awakening. A salmon lays dead on the ground nearby, its scaly flesh just starting to rot. You can tell from the kelp and dripping wet walls that this cavern was underwater not too long ago. How much time do you have before high tide? There's a forced effect. When your turn begins, if you're at a fully flooded location, you struggle for air. When your turn ends, if you did not enter an unflooded or partially flooded location during your turn, take five direct damage. It's a seven doom threshold. And Susie has health pool of six. So it's more or less a kill. If we've had any other kind of damage, that's just going to wipe us out. Act 1A, The Pit. You have awakened in a waterlogged cavern, your mind robbed of its memories, and you're not alone. Whatever else lives in this cavern, it can't possibly be friendly. You have to get out of this place and back to civilization. We need three clues. We have two of each symbol in the bag. Skulls are minus one. If your location is partially flooded, they're minus two, and if it's fully flooded, they're minus three. Cultists are minus two. If you fail and your location is flooded, take a damage. Tablets are minus two. If you fail and you control a key, take a horror. And then elder things are minus three. If you fail and the amalgam is in the depths, put it into play engaged with you. So at the moment, with two skulls and three minus ones, we have five minus ones. And then those two cultists and two tablets means we have six minus twos. So it's a real, can you get to two up? And our stats are one across the board. So that's going to be fun. The setup is unfamiliar chamber where we start. And then to the left, right and below it, there are three tidal tunnels. And this is one of those scenarios that works with location connections being orthogonal. There's another pool of tidal tunnels, but they don't come into play yet. Better get some resources. Start with five. And we should draw our opening hand. We have done an episode on Susie. Shuffling this deck, it's like, oh, hand workout. So I don't, I don't think I need to do a uh, you know, full explainer, but in brief, in upkeep, we draw two cards instead of one, and then we devour one of those cards. We can also, uh, well, devour a card from our hand. We can also fast devour a card controlled by an investigator at our location, and our Elder Sign is plus two, and we can get a devoured card back. Now, we have Ravenous in play, Controlled Hunger, when we devour a card, it goes underneath Ravenous, and for every card underneath Ravenous, we get plus one to all our skills. However, there's a forced effect when we hit five cards underneath Ravenous, so six is across the board in terms of stats. We flip over Ravenous to Uncontrolled Hunger, and at that point, every time we devour a card, it goes out of the game, out of play, um, removed from the game, rather than... I mean, I guess it's in play, but removed from the game. I'm going to get confused by in-play and out-play and all of that. Anyway, it doesn't go on the Ravenous anymore. And at the end of our turn, we need to devour a card either controlled by me or underneath Ravenous. So our stats slowly disintegrate again. So it's a bit like Calvin, but what I found in testing is there's a lot more ebb and flow of stats. 
because obviously you're forced to build up your stats every turn, but then you hit this cap-off point, and the only way you can rebuild your stats once you've hit that cap-off point is to get all the way back to no cards onto Ravenous, back to ones across the board. It's also a deck size of 50, with five weaknesses, three Reality Acid and two random basic weaknesses, and three of her signature. So, 58 cards. Let's do opening hand. Flashlight. Working a hunch. Lone Wolf. String of Curses and Scout Ahead. Okay, how do we even assess this? I love all of these cards. Scout Ahead, I think, is a mulligan. I wonder about mulligan String of Curses to look for a weapon. We do have weapons in the deck, or indeed to look for an ally. It does give us a way of automatically evading an enemy, though. I feel like Lone Wolf and Flashlight are keeps. Working a Hunch is great, but it might be a mulligan for more asset setup y things. It's particularly great, actually, when we're at low stats. So I'll chuck String of Curses of Mulligan 2. I've drawn a Vicious Blow and a Rise to the Occasion. Okay, fine. I've just spent a thousand hours shuffling and we're ready to go. I like this hand and it's a nice opening line. Unfamiliar chamber, three branching tunnels open before you, each swathed in darkness. A foul odour like that of decaying fish permeates the tunnels. We flip it over. It's three shroud and a clue. After it's revealed, randomly choose one of the set-aside face-down keys and place it on unfamiliar chamber without looking at it. Turn here could be play Lone Wolf, play Flashlight. We could try and investigate, but if we wait a turn, we'll be already one up. We don't want to chuck rise to the occasion. I think we're going to draw a card as well. So we'll draw a card first. It's Reality Acid. Wow. Okay, this is our weakness. We flip Ravenous. And I'm pretty sure what happens here, because there are no cards under Ravenous, it just flips back. So Ravenous Uncontrolled Hunger, its forced effect reads, at the end of your turn, devour a non-story card beneath Ravenous, or controlled by an investigator at your location. If there's nothing beneath Ravenous, flip it over. Which makes me think, if I don't play anything, and don't put anything beneath Ravenous, which I won't, it'll just flip over. Which is kind of nice. But it basically pauses me a turn. We then devour in a random aspect of reality because of our reality acid. We reveal a random chaos token from the chaos bag and consult the reality acid reference card to determine what we've devoured. And there are loads. It says as well on the top of this little reference card, if the chaos token revealed is not listed, or if the listed aspect cannot be devoured, reveal a new chaos token and consult the list again. So what I understand from that is just, if it whiffs, you go again. It has to devour something. Minus two, a non-story, non-weakness asset controlled by an investigator at your location. There are none. We go again. Elder sign, a non-elite enemy or treachery at your location. Nope. Uh, skull, I'm guessing this is bad. One con beneath Ravenous at random. Nope, that would actually be kind of nice. Skull again. Tentacle. Reveal three more Chaos Tokens and resolve each of those Devour effects. Tablet. Each event played by investigators at your location until the end of the next investigation phase. Well, that's going to work. Minus four. The top two cards of each investigator's deck. Okay. And finally, minus two. That doesn't do anything because that's a non-story, non-weakness asset. So we reveal again. Elder Thing, the player card at your location with the most evidence, supplies, ammo, charges, or secrets on it. We go again. 
The skull, that doesn't do anything. We go again. Oh, what well, no, it still doesn't do anything. Cultist, each card committed to each skill test at your location until the end of the next investigation phase. Fun rules question. Next. Well, we ended up revealing about 15 tokens there. Next investigation phase. We've seen a ruling for, I want to say, Flux Capacitor, Kate's signature, about how what the next skill test is could be the skill test you're currently in. And I think the discussion about it is ongoing. But yeah, potentially the, the cultist we've revealed here and the tablet we've revealed here are just going to be blocking us. I'm not 100% of the rule. I would say next end of the next investigation phase would be next turn, turn two. So I'm going to go with that. I'm going to put two little markers out for myself to remind me. So of all of those tokens, the long and the short of it is we're going to devour each card committed to each skill test at our location until the end of next turn. And we're going to devour each event that we play until the end of next turn, which is kind of nasty. And we did just devour two cards. It's Medical Student and Enchanted Blade. They go out of play because we're dealing with ravenous, uncontrolled hunger. Phew. Just a nice simple start here. Well, this really changes things up for us, doesn't it? I'll talk about all of the penalties here. If we play Lone Wolf Flashlight now with our last two actions, at the end of our turn, we have to devour something underneath Ravenous or in play, which would be one of those two cards because there's nothing underneath Ravenous. Doesn't seem like a great line. Similarly, if we play Working a Hunch now, it gets devoured because we're devouring all events and skills until the end of next turn. Let's get this clue and this key. Good news is, at the end of our turn, Ravenous is flipping back to the good side and our stats are building up. Bad news is, we can't play events or skills. Well, we could, but they get devoured. And we don't really want to play assets. So with our next two actions, I think second action is draw. It's a machete. And last action is take a resource. We'll go up to six. This is all right, I think. At the end of our turn, we can't devour anything from our hand, uh, from in play, because there's nothing in play. We can't devour anything from underneath uncontrolled hunger. So we switch back to controlled hunger. Upkeep, Susie does Susie things. We draw two cards. It's a shortcut and a talisman of protection. And now we have to pick something to put underneath Ravenous. Because Ravenous is controlled hunger, this is the version that we store cards underneath, which is kind of nice. I think we just slot that talisman of protection underneath. I like Talisman of Protection a lot. We've got other cards we want to play. I think we want to keep hold of the events we have at the moment. And we can grab it back later on. The fact it's fast is nice. We go up to seven resources. And our stats are twos now. Twos across the board. I can see a couple of lines for next turn. Mythos, <laughs> turn two. Place a Doom. And our encounter card is Fractured Consciousness. Revelation. Test Intellect three. If you reveal a tablet token during this test, you automatically fail. If you fail, take two damage. This is kind of why we're running Rise to the Occasion, because when our stats are twos, this is pretty nasty. Taking two damage is nasty. Other thing to work know is that Regurgitation, which is our signature event, does heal us. So I think at this point, given that this would get devoured, Rise to the Occasion would get devoured, we're just going to take this test. One below. Cultist. Minus two, if you fail and your location is flooded, take a damage. Well, fortunately, our location isn't flooded, but we do take two damage. Background to us. Woohoo! We've got two options here. We could 
play assets this turn. Lone Wolf, Flashlight, Machete. Our stats would then go up to threes at the end of the turn and we're then pretty set up. Other option would be to play a combination of those cards, but not all of them, and try and get a clue. I think there's no harm in just doing the full setup, he says. <laughs> Famous last words. So we're going to spend six resources and spit those three cards out. At the moment, Devoured, Medical Student and Enchanted Blade is two Guardian, and Talisman of Protection and Enchanted Blade is two Mystic. So we get to choose what we upgrade. Pretty sure if there's a tie, you choose. You can see how much I'm like scrappy around with the rules. Yeah, if there's a tie, choose one. This is what I mean about face-checking an investigator. There's so many little elements that become second nature when you play them a lot and aren't you don't anyway that was our turn simple turn enemy phase nothing upkeep susie does susie things drawing a spectral razor and a rise to the occasion we're now no longer penalized by reality acids so we're not going to be devouring events or skills which is lovely what do we lose at this point though i think one of the two rise to the occasions goes under what i found in testing is because you can get the cards back, you don't necessarily just want to devour the worst cards, but also, because you're going to get them back, I mean, anyway, why are you putting bad cards in your deck? But also, you want to kind of keep options in hand, potentially. So, yeah, it's confusing. Essentially, what I'm saying is I don't know the good way of doing it. We got up to two resources. Lone Wolf is going to give us another soon. We hit two Doom of Seven, and our encounter card is, of course, the Deep One Bull. We need to lose a card from our hand when it engages us. So the Deep One Bull is a 4-5-2. Forced effect, after it engages, you choose and discard one card from your hand. And after an investigator defeats another Deep One enemy at any location, ready Deep One Bull and move at once towards that investigator's location. Our stats are currently threes across the board, and we have three resources thanks to Lone Wolf. A Machete Swing would be four on four. With Rise to the Occasion, that would be 7 on 4. And Spectral Razor would be 6 on 4. And those two things would kill the bull. Other option here is a Rise to the Occasion Evade, with a view to killing the bull later. Awkward thing is that they, the bull will get shuffled back into the deck. If we kill it in two actions, which is a 3-up, 2-up, it's not ideal. We have one action left, which is to get the clue here. I think we give it a go, and I think we go Spectral Razor first. Because if we mess this test up, we're evading instead. Two up. Minus one. That's a three damage hit. The Deep One Bull remarkably is not elite. Second action, we swing with our machete. Four on four. We'll rise to the occasion. Seven on four. Zero. Dead Deep One Bull. Okay, I'm pleased with that. Well done, Susie. And then last action, we're a three-on-three three investigating here, and I will spend a flashlight charge to be three-on-one. Two-up is a nice place to be. Skull, that's a minus one. We get the clue. I won't pick up the key yet, because tablets are minus two if you fail and you control a key, take a horror. I will pick it up shortly, but because I can pick it up in any free-triggered window... I can just do it at the end of Mythos. Enemy phase nothing, remarkably. Upkeep, Susie does Susie things, drawing a lucky cigarette case and a ward of protection. Ugh. This is one of the, like, uncomfortable decisions. One of the cards in our hand has to be devoured. 
And our hand is lucky cigarette case, ward of protection, working a hunch, shortcut and vicious blow. Ward is super good. Working a hunch is super good. Shortcut is super good. Vicious blow is super good. Lucky cigarette case is super good. I think lucky cigarette case is what goes. We only have one resource. We are going up to two with a third from... And it's something we plan to play after our first regurgitate. Because what's about to happen is our stats are going to go up to fours across the board. And at this point, we just want to start motoring. So move, start investigating. We're probably not at lucky cigarette case playing point. Yeah, I've talked myself into it. I know all the lucky cigarette case fans out there will be raging, but so be it. We hit three of seven doom. Our third encounter card is a lurking deep one, which hits us for a damage. We're up to three of six. Lone Wolf takes us up to three resources. Because we're at now fours with three cards underneath Ravenous, we'll swing five on two to try and kill the lurking deep one. Minus two. Dead lurking deep one. And fast will pick up this key. It is the purple key. A jagged key of twisted marble and onyx. Second action we're going to move. For some reason I always go left. So that's where I'm going to go. It's a tidal pool. It's three shroud and a clue. After it's revealed, randomly choose one of the set-aside face-down keys and place it on tidal pool without looking at it. And it gets plus one shroud while it's partially flooded and plus two while it's fully flooded. And third action, let's use a flashlight charge. We're now four on one. Cultist, minus two. We pass. So we're going to get that key and that clue. The red key is a piece of amber in the shape of a fish's heart that whispers something alien to you when you hold it. What is the shape of a fish's heart? I don't think I'd even know. So we chopped a deep one, moved, got a clue. Enemies nothing. Upkeep, we're at four resources. But before that, Susie does Susie things, drawing a leather coat and a regurgitation. Ooh. So how does regurgitation work to help inform this decision? It's fast, play only during your turn. If Ravenous is uncontrolled, the bad side, it flips back over. So it's nice that you can use it to flip sort of halfway through resetting uh, Ravenous. Then you choose and return up to three cards you devoured beneath Ravenous or set aside to their owner's hands. For each card returned, you heal a damage or a horror. So this is great because this is going to heal us back up to full. As a result, I think we put the leather coat underneath here. And we're now at four cards underneath, so we're fives across the board. Because we're about to be moving across the map, I think it might be a good time to more or less reset our stats. We could, this coming turn, get the lucky cigarette case back, the leather coat back, even the medical student that's out of play. And that gives us a lot of healing options, gives us more draw as well, and it would only drop our stats by a couple of points. The other option is we get the cigarette case, the coat, and rise to the occasion back. Our stats go all the way back down to twos but we'll be back up to three and reasonable by the end of the turn. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. We hit four of seven doom, and our encounter card is a swarm of rats. Okay, well, chopping the rats were at six on one. Seems legit. And then I think we regurgitate to heal. So first action, chop. Minus two. Fast will play regurgitation. We're going to get three cards back, so we heal back to full. We're definitely taking the cigarette case. Let's take the coat and the rise. That's fine. So our stats drop all the way back down to twos. And we have a lovely full hand here now of Lucky Cigarette Case Leather Coat, Ward, 
shortcut, working a hunch, vicious blow, rise to the occasion. It's just beautiful. That was first action chop. Second action, we'll play the lucky cigarette case, now that we have a window. Third action, we'll move to the unfamiliar chamber. We're not going as fast as we could be. I know that. I'm okay with that as well. Ah, yes. So that's something I forgot to share. If I were doing this Think on Your Feet with an investigator I was very experienced with, I would be definitely looking to go for a full flashback run. And I have done that before. Humble brag. It is doable solo. It's hard work. And you need to be obviously tuned for it. There is a bit of luck that comes into it. You know, Devil Reef can punish you. One of what things we've got planned for this series, which I keep hinting at, will make that harder anyway. So part of what I'm doing with playing Susie is just trying to take the pressure off myself a bit. And I think that's something the more generally, when I said, you know, reasons why it's been a while, one of the things I noticed there fell out of love with Arkham for a little while. I actually think there might be an episode in it. I think it could be a good thing to talk about. Be interested to see what you think as well, if you're interested in talking about kind of interest levels in the game and ebb and flow. But part of me falling out of love with Arkham for the period I did was... I got into this mindset of having to do well when I played. It's part of why I was really interested in talking about failing forwards, talking about efficiency. It's like when you start viewing the game in terms of I have to get maximum XP each scenario. If I haven't done that, I've let myself down. If I play a scenario and I get absolutely ganked by the encounter deck, I've not played well enough. It's depressing. It gets you down. So, yeah, I'm trying to do a little bit of a reset on my mindset. I mean, I have already. I wouldn't be recording if I hadn't. But I've done a bit of a reset in what does success look like and what does exploring look like and fun look like in this game. And I hope I bring some of that back to thinking your feet. I realise I sound very serious. Anyway, what you don't know is that we just had to pause for a while because someone was getting a cup of tea and various things. This turn, what did we do? We killed the rats, we played a lucky cigarette case, we regurgitated and we moved back to the unfamiliar chamber. Susie does Susie things. We draw a lucky and a scroll of secrets. You'll have noticed what with medical student in Enchanted Blade being eaten, talisman of protection, I'm running quite a lot of multi-class cards. Little Lola hack there, you have to run seven cards of each class and obviously multi-class cards count for both. I wonder if, because we're at full health at the moment, we do put the leather coat underneath here. We go up to threes stats. Our hand is Ward, Working a Hunch, Shortcut, Lucky. One asset, Scroll of Secrets, and Vicious Blow and Rise to the Occasion. I really like Scroll of Secrets. It's just a way of drawing more. Draw is really important for this deck. What a surprise. You do draw more because of Susie's ability, but you have a huge deck. And you don't ever want to be in a position where you're forced to devour something from your hand that you really need. So having a nice suite of cards is good. Notably as well, we've only seen Medical Student and none of our other allies, which is kind of curious. Anyway, we, we do also get a resource and we have one on the way from Lone Wolf. We hit five of seven Doom and our encounter card is a young deep one. Wow. Deck is steadily hitting us with enemies. Gives us a horror. We go up to five resources. Now, with a machete swing, we're a four on three. We'll commit vicious blow. Five on three. Seems nice. Plus one. Six on three. That's a dead young deep one because of the vicious blow. We exhaust lucky cigarette case and draw our second leather coat. Nice. Second action, we'll move down. It's the underground river. 
Four shroud, two clues. When it's revealed, increase its flood level so it is partially flooded. And it is a VP here. This is great. If we can clear this, we're ready to advance. I really like advancing in this scenario when you've only revealed two of the three locations because of the way that the tidal tunnels spawn, if I'm remembering that right. So that's nice. Now we have a last flashlight charge left. This is also really nice because our fast ability is devouring a card we control. So once flashlight is empty, it's quite a nice card to get underneath Ravenous if we're looking to build our stats up quickly. And because we're threes with a flashlight, we would be a two, a three on two. We're for sure gonna work in a hunch to buy one of these clues. How do we wanna get the other? Our options are try the flashlight play, maybe using Lucky to do so. Try the flashlight play with a rise to the occasion to boost us. The rise would make us six on two and we save the Lucky or we go in just one up. Because this is partially flooded, skulls are minus two. So yeah, we're gonna rise to the occasion. Last flashlight charge, six on two. Zero, didn't need the rise, oh well. Hands emptying out a little bit there. So we did kill young deep one, move down, double clear the underground river. Susie does Susie dings, drawing a scout ahead and a regurgitation. Wow, good timing for the regurgitation. So let's put the other leather coat underneath Ravenous. The reason I'm happy to put all my soak under there is regurgitation obviously heals three. Um, so potentially that's fine. Ah, you know what though? Maybe we do keep the coat and put the scout ahead underneath and we get it later. This turn, we could potentially play Scroll of Secrets, play leather coat, crack on. Although we're also probably advancing. Hmm. I will put the leather coat underneath. I don't think we have time to play it at the moment. So our stats are fours across the board. We get a resource. It's funny, I keep forgetting to take a resource because there's so much that goes on at the end of the turn. Hand reminder is regurgitation, scout ahead, lucky, shortcut, ward of protection, scroll of secrets. We hit six of seven doom. And our encounter card is macabre memento. Test willpower three. If you reveal a cultist, you automatically fail. And if you fail, take two horror. We are a four on three. Do we just take this or do we just ward this? I think we take it. Again, we are going to heal if we regurgitate, so minus two, take two horror. Yep, we're up to three horror. We've gone up to three damage and now we've gone up to three horror. And we're at five resources and four clues. It is time, I think, to advance, so we spend three clues. You find a path that leads deeper into this strange cave system, but before you can follow it to see where it leads, the sound of water sloshing behind you sets your heart racing. When you turn to face the sound, what you see next nearly causes you to faint. It is an enormous hybrid of many faces and shapes, some human, some aquatic, all of them misshapen and revolting. As the thing draws closer, you meet the frozen gaze of one of the faces upon its body and you realise that you recognise it. Spawn the set-aside the amalgam enemy engaged with the lead investigator. Shuffle each set-aside copy of Blind Sense and from the depths into the encounter deck along with the encounter discard pile. So back in goes the bull, unfortunately. And then shuffle each of the set-aside tidal tunnel locations together to form the tidal tunnel deck, including the set-aside altar to Dagon, idle chamber and sealed exit locations. Put locations from the top of the tidal tunnel deck into play below, to the left and to the right 
of each revealed location. So because we've not revealed tidal tunnel on the right, we're not putting any there. So we're putting uh, four into play here. And then we read flashback one in the campaign guide. So our map is now four cards along the top with unfamiliar chamber, uh, the third card and tidal pool, the second. And then below tidal pool, we have three cards along. So we've got a tidal tunnel, the underground river where I am now, and another tidal tunnel. And then directly below underground river, we have another card. So it is almost a triangle pointing downwards, but we would need a fifth card over on the right. What this allows for us to do is essentially control how the map spawns. And there are four tidal tunnels left. So if we were to travel left, we would spawn two and we'd be making almost a square. Um, yeah, we can try and basically avoid having dead ends. And that's a reason to have Scout ahead as well, cover lots of the map quickly. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself because we need to read flashback one. You stand in a small office, examining a worn photograph in a well-polished wooden frame. Again, doing all of this as Susie is fascinating. In the photo, a squad of men in military uniforms pose in front of a Bristol F-2 fighter plane. Several of the men wear tan British uniforms, but one sports the olive overcoat and khakis of an American soldier. His sleeves each bear a rectangular patch, striped vertically with a captain's paired silver bars. At the bottom of the photograph, in black ink, cursive handwriting reads, British Fourth Army, outside St Quentin, 1918. The door to the office opens suddenly, startling you. You put the photograph down and turn to address the man entering. You identify him immediately by his dark brown skin, his strong jaw and his broad shoulders. It is Thomas Dawson, the American from the photograph, though he's aged a bit since his war days and heavy bags hang under his eyes. One war ends, a new one begins, he says quietly. Only this enemy is even harder to root out. You ask the man what a war hero is doing in the investigative business and he chuckles softly in response. War hero? I don't know where you heard that from. I was just doing my duty. You shake your head but do not argue further. You suspect that the squadron Captain Dawson rest would disagree as well. In any event, I suppose you're wondering why I summoned you here to Boston, he says, gesturing for you to take a seat in front of his desk. You sit and respond to his remark with affirmation, wondering aloud why a telephone call would not have sufficed. This is a sensitive matter, he replies. A few days ago, I lost contact with one of my agents, a Miss Alina Harper. I had her investigating several strange reports I've received in the past few months, all concerning a town called Innsmouth. Do you know the place? It's along the coast to the north of your town of Arkham, just by Ipswich. You know the place, though most have never heard of the shadowed, decrepit seaport. Those who do hear only ill rumours. From what you understand, the town used to be a lively port before the War of 1812, but has since become dingy and run down. The only railway line that runs through Innsmouth is abandoned, and there are no references to the town on any maps or in any guidebooks you've ever seen. Perhaps she found something curious or has gone into hiding, but I suspect foul play. It could be mob work, but I doubt it. I'm not sending any more agents until I know for sure. However, I have some room in our discretionary budget to hire a third party, such as yourself. You assume Agent Dawson is dancing around the truth, which is that you're expendable. I know it isn't much to go on, but I need to know the status of Agent Harper. Even bad news would be better than no news at this point. If you do me this favour, our agency will be in your debt. You ask which agency Dawson is referring to. A smirk tugs at his lips. When you snap back to the present, you still gaze at Agent Dawson's face, only his smirk is twisted in a haunting visage of agony. It is just one of the many faces that writhe in torment throughout this repulsive creature's scaly, 
pulsating flesh. So we record a meeting with Thomas Dawson. Now, for Susie, what we need to wonder is, was she there? Or did she devour someone who gave her that memory? Creepy. And that means, of course, we're looking at the amalgam. It's a 3-3-2, Monster Abomination Deep One Elite. It's a hunter. It has a reaction after you successfully evade it by two or more, take control of a key on it. After it engages you, if you control a key, either put a key on it or it attacks you. So it's taking the red key. And when it's defeated, it goes in the depths. Now, it does take everything with it to the depths. The depths is an out-of-play area, but it specifically calls out that if you defeat the amalgam, which sends it to the depths, you get its key. So defeat is a good option. Act 2A, the escape. What in the hell is this place? And why have you been trapped here? You have to find a way out. But more of your memories might be tucked away in this pit. There's a forced effect. After location is revealed, put locations from the top of the tidal tunnel deck into play below, to the left, and to the right of that location. And there's an objective. There must be a way out of here somewhere. If each surviving investigator has resigned, advance. And we're back round to us. <laughs> because we have already done Mythos, it was drawing macabre memento. I think we want to try and chop this guy up. We're two up on the chopping. It's going to take two swings with the machete. So we do chop, chop, maybe then shortcut, and then try and do another thing, or maybe then just move. And we're probably moving left so that we're starting to fill out the map that we've seen. Is that right? With four cards, if we move right, we get two here. Could go, we could go right, actually. If we went up, we would get here and here. What I'm trying to do is control that there are as few dead ends as possible. Uh, at the moment, we've got a dead end top left. Uh, currently a dead end, sort of one off. The ideal is that most locations don't have stuff sticking out from them. So we have square edges. And the reason to do that is to mean we have loops to run away from enemies. Because there will come a time when we can't be macheting our way through enemies. So yeah, I think we just machete now. Ooh, cheeky play. We could devour the flashlight underneath us. It's empty. It'll take our stats up to five across the board. And we have a regurgitation in hand, which we could then regurgitate the flashlight and leather coats later to drop our stats. Yeah, I really like that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to devour the flashlight. Our stats are now fives across the board, which means swinging the machete, we are three up. Elder sign. This is lovely. It's a plus two, so we're definitely hitting, and get a devoured card back. What devoured card is a good question. We're about to gain three more cards anyway, but we are playing a shortcut. It's how low do we want our stats to go, really. Because the other thing is, oh no, I'm not. The Elder Sign, you can add a devoured card to its owner's hand. Now, Regurgitate calls out beneath Ravenous or Set Aside. I think this is the same, because that's just italicised, that's rules text. So I could go and grab the medical student. I think we do that. We'll grab medical student. Second action, we swing again. Six on three. Tablet is a pass, it's a minus two. So we get the red key back. The amalgam would be defeated, so it goes into the depths. We play this shortcut to move left. It is the fully flooded underwater cavern with a clue. We have one action left. We are fives across the board, so we could investigate. Or if we regurgitate now, we want to regurgitate for sure so that we don't end up, we could play flashlight. 
Let's do that. So we regurgitate, we heal back up to full. We're gonna grab a flashlight, a leather coat. We'll grab the talisman of protection. Our stats drop all the way back to twos across the board. We have eight cards in hand and last action we'll play the flashlight. Chop, chop, shortcut, play. Seven cards in hand, which means we're gonna end the turn on eight because we're gonna grab one and devour. I really like that turn. I thought that was good. <laughs> and we're back on full health. We've healed six damage and horror total. Enemy phase nothing. Susie does Susie things. Drawing a take heart and a machete. Kind of an easy decision, I think. I think we devour the machete. And we've got a lovely suite of options now in our hand. Our stats threes across the board. And we got up to four resources with a fifth to come. But we advance. Everything gets a bit nastier now. Flooding kicks in. Your worst fears are coming true. Puddles of water that have barely reached your ankles are rising and joining one another. You scramble to find higher ground, but your efforts are for naught. In a matter of minutes, the water level has risen to your knees and shows no sign of slowing. Increase the flood level of each revealed location. So that's the unfamiliar chamber in the tidal pool. Until the end of the game, each time a location is revealed, increase its flood level. Agenda 2A, the water rises. Your every movement is coupled with the loud swashing of rippling water all around you. If the tide continues to rise, the cavern will be completely submerged in a matter of hours. There's a forced effect, it's the same one about fully flooded, and our encounter card is a lurking deep one. We take a damage. Our goal here is really to motor now. We do want some clues, but I don't think we need the clue from here. So we can machete the lurking deep one, and then we can start moving. Let's try macheteing first. We're a four on two. Minus four. We'll play our lucky to make that a minus two, which is a kill. Very nice. I'm doing the play there because we just need to keep going. I think what we do here now is we end, if we move left, top row is four, and then middle row is currently four as well, directly underneath, but we'll add a fifth to the left, but that will be the only sticking out card. And then the bottom row will be three and everything else will loop. So I think that's kind of ideal. So we'll move left. It's the underground river. It is partially flooded. It has two clues. We want those clues because it's a veep. It puts the last two locations below and to the left. And importantly for our purposes, it's partially flooded so we breathe. We're unfortunately not quite good enough stats to effectively clue here. And we do want these clues. We could devour something underneath Ravenous. Not ideal. We could last action play Scroll of Secrets. Gives us lots more draw options. Yeah, I want to do that. I'm going to play Scroll of Secrets for one. It has three charges. As a free trigger, we can exhaust it and spend a secret. Look at the bottom of any investigator's deck or the encounter deck. And then you can discard that card, add it to your hand, put it on the bottom, put it on the top. So we'll do that now and look at the bottom card. It's a perception, which I think we definitely had to hand. And we're going to overdraw now, but that's okay. Enemy phase nothing. Upkeep. Susie does Susie things. Drawing another take heart and a lucky. We're at nine cards in hand. We've got talisman of protection, medical student, leather coat. Events, we've got ward, scout ahead, lucky. And then we've got three skills, two take hearts and a perception. I'm going to put one of the two take hearts underneath. Just keeping a nice mixture underneath at the moment. 
and our stats go up to fours, this is a nice place to be for four on two investigating the underground river, maybe with perception or lucky. We hit one of eight doom, and our encounter card is Macabre Memento. So willpower three, it's the cultist one. So we're a four on three. Should we take heart this? Expecting to fail? Let's do it. Four on three with take heart in. Take heart means we'll pass. Tablet, minus two. That is a fail, and we control a key, so we're going to take three horror from this. Can we afford three horror? Or we play lucky. We want to fail because they take heart. So yeah, we'll take three horror. We draw two cards. It's a calling in favours and a flashlight. And we get two resources. And then Lone Wolf gives us another. So we're up to seven resources. And straight away, let's scroll of secrets again. Bottom card is a scroll of secrets. We'll take that. Now it's just about getting these clues and keeping going. So we'll investigate. We, with the flashlight, we're a four on two. That's an auto fail. We'll investigate again with the flashlight. That's an elder thing. So we're about to fail by one. We'll play our lucky. We've got cards for days and resources at a decent level. And last action, we'll investigate again. We'll commit this other scroll of secrets to be three up. Minus one clue. That's a veep. We're up to three clues. We can devour this flashlight that we have here now for stats, but were we to do that, we would just be putting ourselves in trouble. Now, fast, we're going to pay two and play Talisman of Protection. I'm playing it more to avoid the discard, and it's just an extra buffer if we take another big horror hit. We're protected. Susie does Susie things, drawing the thing that follows and a medical student. Farthest from me is top right. So we'll put it there. It's a 3-2-3. Three, three. It's praise on us only. It's a hunter. And when it would be defeated, it goes back into our deck. What do we devour? Probably one of these two medical students. Our stats are five across the board. It would be lovely to play a medical student shortly and heal a damage and a horror from us. We do still have the ward as well. Let's not forget that we have a ward. We're at two of eight doom. Is that the halfway mark? 7 plus 8 is 15, plus 4 is 19. And we're on 9. Yeah, not quite halfway. Just got to move. Just got to move. Our encounter card is a young deep one, which does horrify us again. We're up to 4 horror. Ugh. Can we kill this young deep one in any kind of efficient way? We'll use the last scroll of secrets charge. The bottom card is a reality acid. This is great, so we can discard that. We've got a couple of options now to devour if we want to keep our stats high. We've got Scroll of Secrets and an Empty Flashlight. But first, we need to really just deal with this Young Deep one. If we can kill it in two chops, the last action would be play Medical Student and heal a bit. There's only one Regurgitation left, so we're probably restatting the hard way. So, chopping. We're fives across the board stat-wise, so we're six on three with Machete. Cultist, that's two damage. Six on three with Machete. Elder Thing, that's minus three. That's dead. Last action, we play the medical student for two. Healing, two horror from us. So we're of five health left and four horror left. I'm oh, sorry, it's one damage and one horror. I'm being silly. Thinking it was a combination thereof. So we're at six health and three sanity. Cards in hand, leather coat and flashlight. Ward, scout ahead and calling in favours and a perception. 
Susie does Susie things, drawing an overpower and a Faustian bargain. I think we're doing all right for money, so I think the Faustian goes. At this point, we should discuss upgrades. <laughs> Cue like a 15-minute sidebar. This episode is going to go long. The moment underneath us, we have two Guardian, two Survivor, and we've got another Guardian devoured out of play, the Enchanted Blade. So we're going to be upgrading Guardian. So we could be thinking about what do we upgrade to control that. But yeah, anyway, we need to pick something to put underneath here. I think Faustian is fine because Lone Wolf is doing so much work. So Faustian goes under and that flips Ravenous to uncontrolled. Our stats are six across the board, but at the end of our turn now, we do have to devour a card under Ravenous or controlled by us. And obviously if we do under Ravenous, our stats go back down. We're in a cool position. Empty flashlight, empty scroll of secrets, potentially the talisman of protection or the medical student can all be devoured if we want to keep our stats at six. And it's just how do we make use of high stats for as long as possible? And this is where I'm kind of fascinated by playing Susie because you'd think it's like, oh, I build up to high stats and I stay there. But it's actually this really awkward, now I have high stats, I would love to have a seven action turn. But when I have one stats, I'm not as efficient. Anyway, that's us done. I haven't given us any money for upkeep. So we go up to four resources with one to come. We hit three doom and our encounter card is undertow. Hmm. So if your location is unflooded, it surges. Otherwise, it goes in your threat area. After you move, you take two damage and two horror and discard undertow. The damage and horror is nasty. But you can also discard a card from your hand fast to test combat or agility three to just get rid of it. I think we take this because it's not taxing us actions and actions are obviously king at the moment. And I think we discard a leather coat from our hand to take this test. We're a six on three and I'll put an overpower in just for trying to complete it. Elder thing, so that is a minus three. So we were an eight on three, we're now a five on three. Overpower draws us another overpower. Lucky cigarette case draws us a toe to toe. Another reason to keep our health under control. And that's no actions. First action, we're gonna to move to this lonely tidal tunnel out to the left. There are no tidal tunnels to be placed in play now. And this is the bone ridden pit. It's six shroud, one clue. For each key controlled by an investigator at Bone Ridden Pit, it gets minus one shroud, so it's four shroud. And then there's a free trigger. If there are no clues on Bone Ridden Pit and you control the yellow key, we don't. You notice an odd joint socket near the skeleton's midsection that matches the shape of the yellow key. We don't control the yellow key. Now it's time to pay one and play Scout Ahead <laughs> to start seeing more of the map. So we get three moves. Move one is back to the Underground River. Move two is down to the fish graveyard. It's two shroud and a clue. And if there are no clues here on the red key, we can advance. And do we keep moving because we get the three move? Or do we last action try and get this clue? Last action we try and get this clue. We are a six on two, minus two, clue. There are no clues on the fish graveyard. We do control the red key. Inside a pile of half rotten fish guts, you find a strange figurine the red key fits into perfectly. Read flashback three. Hey, take a look at this. Your employer shoves a strange figurine into your hands. It's hewn of emerald stone and looks vaguely aquatic with two unblinking eyes and a row of sharp teeth. 
A piece of heart-shaped ember is embedded in its centre. What do you make of it? You reply that you've seen nothing quite like it before. But it does happen to match the descriptions you've heard of the devils that skulk about the reefs a couple of miles from the harbour. Something fishy is going on here, if you'll pardon my saying, the man mutters, folding his arms across his chest. I'm glad I roped you in on the case. It's looking less and less like mob work with each passing hour. You nod in agreement and hand the strange figurine back to the agent. Everything about this town feels foul to you. Let's stick together from here on out, your companion says, his voice darkening. In the campaign log on the memories recovered record a decision to stick together, and we lose a tablet. Woohoo! We're now at five minus ones, five minus twos. Slightly good. That's our three actions. At the end of our turn, we have to either devour a card underneath Ravenous or devour a card in play. Let's try and keep our stats at sixes. I'm going to devour the flashlight in play. Upkeep, Susie does Susie things, drawing a calling in favours or a reality acid, which is about to trigger. And we'll devour one of those two calling in favours. We could do some chaining of calling in favours. Yeah, we will. That's, that's what we have to do. Right, Ravenous doesn't flip because it's already flipped, but we do reveal a token. Again, there's not that much around for it to trigger against. Zero, the top card of each investigator's deck. Okay, it's a string of curses. Wow, <laughs> looks like we might be upgrading Mystic at this rate. It's done something at least. That's th all three reality acids done now. We did one turn one. Uh, we got rid of one with Scroll of Secrets and then we've just done the other one. So all three are done. Oh no, I put the thing that follows into play and I've forgotten to move it. How many turns has it been in play? At least one, maybe two? Going to move it two. So it will have hunted to Unfamiliar Chamber and then to Tidal Pool along the top. I think only two. Whoops. Just shows I was like, oh, it's not a problem. And I just ignored it in classic thing that follows way. I'll move it three to be on the safe side. So let me just check I did that right. I drew Reality Acid and Calling in Favours. I devoured the Calling in Favours. So we're at four cards out of play devoured. Is there a name for this like out of play devoured stack? It's just set it aside out of play. And then there's the there's the ravenous stack and there's the devoured stack. <laughs> you know? So we don't need to draw any cards. We do need to remember to take resources. We're at five with one to come from Lone Wolf. We hit four of eight doom. I've moved it three times. I think that's right for thing that follows. And we draw a blind sense. Test agility three. If you fail and the amalgam is in the depths, put it into play engaged with you, it makes an immediate attack. We could try for this with six on three, or we could water protection this. I think we take the test. Three up. Trust our luck. Minus two. Pass. That's good. Doesn't have surge or anything like that. We're kind of happy with that. Our stats are still sixes across the board. Let's keep this rolling. With calling in favours and a medical student in play, we do have art students in the deck. So potentially we can just like go hunting for more, more clues and lab assistants. First action, we're moving right. We found the idle chamber. It's four shroud and a clue. And when it's revealed, we put the blue key on it. It says if there are no clues on idle chamber and we control the purple key, we do. The purple key opens the stone door at the far end of the chamber, revealing a shrine with two familiar statues, one of white marble, the other of onyx. And we read flashback four. So second action, let's try this calling in favours play. We'll pay one, we're down to five resources. Add medical student to our hand and look at the top nine cards of our deck. Wow, I picked up exactly nine then. We see perception, vicious blow, toe-to-toe, -to -toe, spectral razor, water protection, laboratory assistant, talisman of protection, enchanted blade, 
And the very last card is an art student, which will play, getting us that clue. And we'll immediately pick up the blue key, of course. Man, our deck is thin. We've been doing well, deck-wise. Obviously not gameplay-wise, but, you know, other otherwise-wise. We can still lose the empty scroll of secrets if we want to keep our stats up. I love it. We've gone high stats, so I've just decided to start cheating clues. <laughs> In classic Frank play, the efforts I'm making are useless. Anyway, let's read Flashback 4. You stand before a terrible onyx statue in a dark, dingy basement. It smells of stale, dank air and rotting fish. The statue depicts a creature that is a hybrid of both fish and human, covered in hideous, misshapen scales. Grotesque gills and fins blend with tortured, humid features. Its large, round eyes glare at you. In the distance, you hear the faint chanting of some kind of ceremony. Yehantli! Yehantli! The voices cry. Just as you begin to make out the strange syllables, a splash behind you catches your attention. You duck behind the onyx statue and wait patiently as several figures approach where you stood just moments before. You hold your breath. The gentle sloshing of their steps as they wade through the water passes and fades into the distance. You allow a brief sigh of relief, but begin to follow close behind. We record an encounter with a secret cult and we remove an elder thing. So we did move. We did calling in favours. We're going to move again, carrying on right. We found the altar to Dagon. Oh, this is, apart from Bone Ridden Pit being where it is, we're doing, doing well. So we are now in the same column as Unfamiliar Chamber in the Underground River. So along the top, we've got an unrevealed tidal tunnel with the thing that follows, tidal pool, Unfamiliar Chamber, and another tidal tunnel. And then the middle row, we've done nearly all of them. We've got Bone Ridden Pit out to the left, and then Underground River, Underwater Cavern, Underground River and an unrevealed one. And bottom row, we've done the fish graveyard, the idol chamber, and the altar to Dagon. So this reads, action. If we control the blue key or three or more clue keys, we can spend two clues as a group. We have five to take control of the green key, which is nice. Enemy phase, the thing that follows hunts down to the underground river. Oh, sorry, before enemy phase, we need to devour something. So we'll take the scroll of secrets. So the outer play devoured pile is now five. And then in upkeep, Susie does Susie things, drawing a talisman of protection and a spectral razor. And what do we even lose at this point? Maybe the other medical student in our hand? Yeah, medical student goes because we have the art student and calling in favours. I know, we devoured the other calling in favours. Oh well, that's fine. Our stats remain at sixes. Unless, let's keep that medical student in hand and we'll devour the medical student underneath ravenous it's much the same it drops our stats down to fives so the reason i'm doing that is i think my turn is going to be action move move and i need to remember resources we go to six with one on the way hit five doom of eight and our encounter card is memory of oblivion revelation test will or intellect four we're currently fives if we reveal an elder thing we auto fail for each point you fail by choose and discard a card this, I think, we pay one, put the horror on art student to play ward, and we just get rid of this. Because losing four cards, we can manage it. We had eight cards in hand. But let's just stay full hand in control and go there. So first action, we're getting the green key from the altar of Dagon. Second action, we're moving to the underground river. And third action, we're moving right. We found the exit. Okay, good to know. After it's revealed, it becomes fully flooded. So next turn, we're going to have to move somewhere that's not fully flooded. And if an investigator at sealed exit controls the green key, you can resign here to run away. 
Enemy phase is the thing that follows hunts to us, but before that, we need to devour something. And I'm going to devour the flashlight in my hand. Oh, no, 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 hang on. So we've got two survivor underneath, and then devoured, we have no survivor, but we've got one, two. Guardian is currently in the lead for devouring. So do we want to change that? No, we'll do the flashlight. It's fine. Is that right? How many clues do we want to... We want to get the bone-ridden pit key clue, but we have four keys at the moment, so it's only Shroud 2. And there's another tidal pool, and there's a 50-50 chance that it's next to us, and that will be where the yellow key is. We've done the thing that follows hunting this turn. Let's do Susie, let's do the round start, and then we'll do some counting. Susie does Susie things, drawing an enchanted blade and a working a hunch. Well, that's a way of getting more clues. I think we devour this other talisman of protection in our hand. <laughs> it's just become a free-for-all. The best laid plans, like, completely out the window. We go to seven resources with one on the way, and we hit six of eight doom. We'll do our encounter card, and then we'll plan. It's a swarm of rats. Okay. Right. Planning time. First of all, we have to take a deep breath. We're at a fully flooded location. If we move up, there's a 50% chance it is the underwater cavern, which would mean we haven't taken a breath. We could then use the underwater cavern to move across to the tidal pool, two actions, and third action go to tidal tunnel, but to do that we wouldn't have killed the rats. So that doesn't quite work. So we'd kill rats, move, do something. We can also, because we're quite lucky that because one of the central locations is an underwater cavern, we do have a quite good way of teleporting. The other option is we kill the rats, move up, and it is the yellow key, and we'd investigate, get that, and then we'd move. So that's one turn. Then we'd have one, two, three, one, two, three, to get to the unbowed pit. Investigate, move, move to the underwater cavern, and then teleport back. We still have time to do it. We'd have to get around the thing that follows somewhat carefully. So I think it's I think it's worth a try. So first action, we attack the swarm of rats. So, so I'll explain what I'm talking about here. We could just leave now. We're doing well. But it's can we go for the, the, the fourth flashback? And to do the fourth flashback, we need the yellow key, and it's literally the furthest away from us. But because of Underwater Cavern, we can teleport across the map. Underwater Cavern reads action, move, move from Underwater Cavern to any flooded cave location. And that means we can move straight to sealed exit if we're there, so skipping a move. And it also means we can move across the bone-ridden pit because everything coming into play is at least partially flooded. So we kill the rats and we head up and we see what's above us and decide what we do. We're a six on one. Minus one. Dead rats. And that triggers Lucky Cigarette Case, drawing us a vicious blow. That's nice. Second action, we move up. It is the other tidal pool. So it has the yellow key and it's partially flooded, which means it's four shroud. And we've moved to a partially flooded location, so we breathe because we started at the sealed exit. We spend two and work a hunch here, grabbing the clue. We're up to six clues. And the key, it's the yellow key. We have one action left, and that is we move to the unfamiliar chamber. So next turn, we could move down to Underground River to the cave, teleport in, and then we'd move back, back. Yeah, cool. In At the end of our turn, something needs to be devoured. I'm going to undevour, take heart from underneath us. And our stats drop down to fours across the board. We've got three cards underneath Ravenous. The thing that follows hunts up, it's one location away from us. It's just to the left of us. But we're going to gain it. Susie does Susie things, drawing a regurgitation and an art student. 
The art student is great because that gets us the bone-ridden pit. The regurgitation is great. So what do we devour in this hand? The other enchanted blade? No, the, the other medical student. Our devoured out-of-play pile is now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten cards. Okay, it's not even a 20% of our deck. And we have in hand Perception over Power and Vicious Blow are our skills. Regurgitation, Spectral Razor, and Toe-to-Toe -to -toe are our events. An Art Student and Enchanted Blade. Got to remember to get a resource to seven, one to come. We hit seven of eight Doom, and our encounter card is the Deep One Bull. Hi! When it engages us, we need to discard a card. We'll discard this Perception. This costs us a turn, basically, because we could still try and kill it. Our stats are fours, because we have three cards devoured. So we could Spectral Razor, eight on four, and then Machete, five on four, with Vicious Blow over Power, eight on four. Seems good. Play the Spectral Razor, eight on four. Minus two, that's three damage. Lucky Cigarette Case draws us a Lone Wolf. That can be devoured if we want it to. Then we Machete attack. We are a four, five, six, seven with Overpower. We don't need the Vicious Blow. Eight, if we can commit this Enchanted Blade, eight on four. Auto fail. <laughs> okay, not so good. We need to try and kill it again. So we'll play toe to toe. We take two damage, which is fine. We're at two of six, it dies. Our hand is like dropped way back down now. Ah, do we play toe-to-toe? -to -toe or do we save toe-to-toe -to -toe for the thing that follows? And we regurgitate to reset our... Yeah, so hang on, rewind. Toe-to-toe -to -toe comes back to hand. Deep one bullet is on three damage. Hand is a vicious blow, a regurgitation, an art student, a lone wolf, and toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And the thing that follows is going to hunt onto us. So we could toe-to-toe. -to -toe. It's just an auto-kill. Takes us to 2-3, damage horror. Thing that follows hunts onto us, kills the art student. We haven't set up, we haven't un uh, reset Ravenous. Other option is we try and hit the deep one bull now. 5 on 4, I, we're not going to hit, yeah, no, the toe to toe blade was right. Toe to toe blade was right. So we do that. The end of our turn we have to devour something from in play or underneath Ravenous. Machete, I don't want to lose. Lucky Cigarette Case, I don't want to lose. Talisman of Protection, I don't want to lose. Art Student's about to get hit by the thing that follows. Lone Wolf, do we need any more money? I'll lose Lone Wolf. We keep our stats at fours. We need our stats up to try and kill this thing. The thing that follows hunts and kills the Art Student. And then we do Susie does Susie things, drawing an Accursed Follower and a toe-to-toe. -to Accursed -toe. <laughs> Follower goes all the way down at the Fish Graveyard. We go up to seven resources with one to follow. And we do need to devour something. We'll devour the other lone wolf. Man, at this rate, we're upgrading rogue. We hit eight doom. You panic as the water level continues to rise within the cavern. Before long, you're swimming instead of walking on the flooded cavern floor. Many of the tunnels are fully submerged. If you don't get out of here quickly, there'll be nowhere safe to catch your breath. Each revealed location becomes fully flooded. So that's everywhere apart from the two underground rivers, fortunately because they cannot become fully flooded. And now any time a rotation is revealed, it becomes fully flooded. Agenda 3A, sacrifice for the deep. Save for a few rocky perches, the entire cavern system is submerged in seawater. You have to find a way out of here, and soon. Same rule about drowning, but now it's a four-doom threshold. 
We draw a blind sense. Revelation test agility three. We have nothing to commit to this, so we are a four on three. And this is a bit scary. Skull is a minus three, so the amalgam comes into play. It makes an immediate attack against us, so we're now at three, four. Uh, that's three health and two sanity left, and it grabs the purple key, because we've done that one. Damn. Okay. My sense is that we're not getting the final flashback here, because we've got two enemies on us, and the accursed follower now pumping out curses. This turn, we could do evade, chop, move. We have to move or we're being killed, because of uh, we were in a fully flooded location at the start of our turn. Then the So that would be one turn, one doom. Then it would be move, swim in the cave, clue, do the thing, two doom. Move, 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 three doom. We, we, we have enough actions. We have two actions spare to do it. So it would be evade amalgam, kill thing that follows, move to underground river. That would take us up to one doom. Then it would be move to underwater cavern, use the uh, swim ability to swim to the bone-ridden pit and get the clue somehow with our third action. And that would get us the flashback. That would take us to two doom. The next turn, we would move to underground river, again breathing, move to underwater cavern, swim to sealed exit. That would take us to three doom. And then the following turn, we could resign. And that would take us to four doom. So yeah, we can do it with two actions to spare. Other options here are, if we were to just move now, we would take an attack of opportunity, which would defeat us. But the talisman of protection we have in hand, uh, in play rather, would cancel one of those hits. We'd still not have enough life to survive, basically. <laughs> I think we, well, this turn we have to get away from these things. So we need to try and chop the thing that follows. We are fours across the board because we have Leathercoat, Machete and Faustian Bargain underneath Ravenous. So swinging with the Machete, we're a five on four. A five on three, sorry. That's what it's got to be. No, it doesn't have to be there. We could just play toe-to-toe -to -toe and kill it. And that would take us up to four damage and five horror. We would then evade the amalgam and then regurgitate to heal three. I like that more. Let's see if we can evade. We're two up evading. Elder thing. Minus three. If you fail... This is getting bad. Man, we're getting ganked by the thing that follows. So now I think we have to try and chop the thing that follows. And then we have to move. I think we can survive. Oh, we can definitely survive because we can regurgitate. So we play toe-to-toe. -to -toe. We go up to four damage, five horror. That kills the thing that follows, which shuffles into our deck. I mean, we could kill the amalgam. No, they do the same. It's fine. Last action, we move down to the underground river. The amalgam attacks us, it kills us. When we assign damage or horror that would defeat us, we discard the talisman of protection to cancel up to two of that damage and or horror. So it cancels the hit. And then we play regurgitation, grabbing the leather coat, the machete and the Faustian bargain out from underneath Ravenous, which flips Ravenous over and drops our stats to a one. And in play, we just have a machete and lucky cigarette case. That also heals us three damage and horror so taking us to 
three damage, three horror. Enemy phase, we take a damage in the horror. And the accursed follower puts a curse in the bag. We don't need to do anything about Ravenous with our crazy devoured pile. But in upkeep, Susie does Susie things, drawing a perception and a lucky cigarette case. Now, this is an important count moment. Nothing is underneath Ravenous, but out of play we have two road cards, three mystic cards, no, four mystic cards, three guardian cards, two survivor cards. So if we devour now the machete in our hand, that means we might be able to upgrade guardian, which means we might be able to get the vigilant. So I'm going to devour the machete and we go up to two stats. Mythos, we hit one of four doom. And our encounter card is Deep One Assault. Uh-oh. Disengage from each Deep One enemy at your at my location. So I disengage from the amalgam. Each Deep One at my location and each connecting location engages me. So I re-engage the amalgam. I have to either place a key on it or it attacks me. I'll place the red key on it. If no enemies engage you from this effect... Well, luckily they did. Wow, we've made Deep One Assault not do much. And we kind of whiffed that turn. So I think this turn is taken back attack of opportunity, which takes us to five damage, five horror and resign. The other option is try to evade at two on two. Evade, move, teleport. Yeah, it's too risky. We take an attack of opportunity, move into the sealed exit and we resign. The tunnel continues onward with no end in sight. Your lungs heave with pain. You've held your breath far longer than you ever thought possible. For a moment you wonder if you should turn back, but by now the entire cavern must be completely submerged. Even if it weren't, you couldn't hope to outlast the creatures that dwell inside for very long. No, there's no going back. Your only hope is to press forward. Another minute passes. The current seems to grow stronger as the tunnel narrows ahead. Your chest feels as though it's about to burst. Finally you emerge from the ice-cold seawater and tumble out of the cavern landing hard on a rocky shore. Resolution 1. In the distance, the sky is a dark crimson and the full moon hangs just below the dark blackened sun. You're about to close your eyes and surrender to unconsciousness when a stranger's voice startles you back to your feet. Oh, you're alive. Even through her strained voice, you can hear a rhythmic Indian accent and the unwavering confidence of a trained professional. Standing in front of you is a woman with long raven black hair. Her tattered trench coat has seen better days, and bruises splash across her dirt-covered skin. You seem confused. Why are you looking at me like that? The stranger asks. Each investigator earns experience equal to the victory X value of each card in the victory display. Record the experience under unspent experience in your campaign log, but do not spend any of it yet. So we get two veeps for the two underground rivers. We didn't take any trauma, and we're all good. When we go to interlude one... We get the meeting with Thomas Dawson, decision to stick together, and encounter with the secret cult, which earns us an additional four or three XP. And here ends our adventure, kind of. But let's have a count of devoured cards and see what we can upgrade. So we have machete, medical student, medical student, and enchanted blade, four guardian cards. That enchanted blade is also mystic, and we have String of Curses, Scroll of Secrets, Talisman of Protection. So that's a four mystic or a four guardian. And then we've also got here Flashlight times two, a Calling in Favours, so three neutrals, and a Take Heart and two Lone Wolf. So Rogue comes second. Oh, and if we count Seeker, 
a seeker comes a sec- a third actually with two medical students and a scroll of secrets so three so it's guardian and mystic at four seeker at three rogue at two and survivor only at one when survivor is the most cards in the deck crazy cards left in deck six so we did pretty well there we didn't loop our deck is that a think on your feet first overall i'm kind of pleased with how that went i have got all uh, three of the key flashbacks in this before so that's a bit bit peevish that i didn't do that but i'm actually i'm not too bothered about that five xp is still a decent start the other option we could do with Guardian is just get our, our good friend um, Michael Lee, if we wanted to go Michael Lee. Super nice for this deck where you're having to do all the cluing and all the fighting yourself, just to add even more damage. But yeah, kind of pleased. Didn't get all the flashbacks, but th- I mean, I guess the other thing that I like about my play there is that I didn't go stupid and try and do it on a wing and a prayer. I would love even more movement tech. I mean, maybe we aim for an upgrading seeker to get pathfinder feels a little bit like the previous thing on your feet but so be it but yeah overall happy how about you are you happy to hear this series to have it back would you like to hear more (laughs) you know feedback is very welcome if you want to be a patron of the cast or on patreon you can come and talk to me we have a think on our feet channel do people want to play along with Susie versus insmouth if so i'll set up a spreadsheet we can track it Uh, generally speaking Really good to be back and hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.